We are jumping into the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Let me remind us where we are. Paul is writing from prison in Rome around AD 62. He's writing a letter back to the Philippians. They have sent him a gift. They have sent him that gift uh, through Onesimus. And as they have sent him that gift, he has brought it. They're sending a letter back. He's going to send him back as well. And as he's sending him back, he's giving them a thank you. And he's also telling them how he's doing. So Paul sitting in prison, writing a letter back to them. His circumstances are not all that great. He could complain about his circumstances. Let's be real. If we were sitting in prison, most of us would complain. What am I doing sitting in prison? I want to serve the Lord. I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. Here I am in prison. And then in today's text, he's not only going to tell us that he's in prison, but he's, he's going to tell us also that there are people with devious motives coming against him. There are people who are out to get him. There are people who are not being nice to him. So if you can relate it all to today's text, the situation is not ideal. The situation in which we find ourselves is not perfect. And every now and then there are some people that have bad intentions against us. It just feels like there are people whose motives for Christ may not be sincere. Their words may be against us. They may be saying things to tear us down. And it would be real easy for us at this point to turn the world all about us, to turn to ourselves and to think to ourselves, I'm the center of the universe. God, what's going on? Don't you see what's happening? This is not right. My circumstances are not good. People are talking bad about me. These things are not good, Lord. And for us to get depressed, for us to get stressed out, for us to get down on ourselves. So how does Paul handle this? How is Paul going to react sitting in prison, writing a letter back to those who gave him a gift, knowing that there are some who are after? How's he going to tell them? How am I doing? Well, remember how Paul handles this. Paul handles and makes sure he keeps his focus on the right spot. The way he rejoices, the way he finds joy is Paul in our text today is going to continually to focus on Jesus. And then we're going to see throughout this book, he focuses on others and that he comes last. So as Paul has offered the prayer to them, he's, he's told them, my prayer for you is that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may be able to prove what is excellent and that you may be pure and blameless at the day of Christ. Now he's transitioning a little bit. And he's saying, I want you to know, brothers. That's how he's going to start our text today. Our text in Philippians chapter 1, looking at verses 12 through 18. He's going to talk about this. And what we're going to see is he focuses over and over and over on the gospel. So here's your main idea. If you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, if you're doing that, the main idea for our text today, even though it's Paul telling them how he's doing, he quickly transitions. I want you to know. What is it I want you to know about how I'm doing? The gospel is overcoming. The gospel overcomes. Now, you're going to need this. Maybe not today. Maybe you need it today. But at some point in life, the situation, the circumstances are not going to be good. You're going to be knocked down. The world is going to deal you something that is just hard to handle, hard to deal with. And you're going to need to know that whatever it is, the gospel overcomes. The gospel overcomes difficult circumstances. The gospel even overcomes devious motives of other people who are coming against you. The gospel will overcome serious challenges. There are real and serious challenges in life. And the gospel will overcome those serious challenges. And the gospel will overcome the selfish ambition of others. It's easy for us to get 
to focusing on ourselves and to say, God, why is it that you're allowing this to happen? Why is it that I, I didn't get this promotion? Why is it that I didn't get this job? Why is it that I couldn't make this grade in this class? Why is it that I, I couldn't get a date with this good-looking girl or a date with this, this, this good-looking guy? Why is it, Lord, that life has dealt me, the cards has dealt me what's going on here? And what we have to constantly remind ourselves is our focus is not on us. Our focus is on Jesus first, serving others second, we come last, and that attitude of joy will allow us to overcome difficult circumstances time and time again. Here's your outline for today. Two points. First, we're going to see the progress of the gospel, and second, we're going to see the preaching of the gospel. In our text, you're going to see the word advance. That's the progress of the gospel. And then you're going to hear him talk about proclaiming Christ. That is the preaching of of the gospel. So let's walk through our text to read it together as you see that outline and as you see the main idea of the gospel overcomes. It begins here in verse 12. Paul writing to us says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Advance. That word it's going to pop back up in verse 25 when he talks about, I'm going to remain with you for your progress and your joy in the faith. That word advance is the word progress. That word advance is the lead group that goes before the army to prepare the roads and prepare the way for the advance of an army. And so what Paul is saying here, don't miss it, is I want you to know, brothers, he's writing to the Philippians, I want you to know that all these things that have happened to me has actually served as an inroad to gospel advance so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Here's where we see that second point coming in here in verse 15. They're going to preach the gospel. He says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Dear Lord, I pray that as we walk through this text that you would tie my thoughts and my words to your text, that your text would speak, that, Lord, you would help us to grasp these realities in our lives, that you would help them to apply them to our lives so that, Lord, we may not just look at, at words on a page, but, Lord, your spirit may speak to us and we may be changed so that we can live a life that glorifies you well on this earth. God, today, would, would your word just go forth clearly through the power of your spirit to change our lives ultimately for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we look first at the progress of the gospel. Paul here writing says, I want you to know, brothers... So he's writing to those who are brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are saved. I want you to know, brothers, that all that has happened to me, now think about all that has happened to Paul. 
Back up in your mind and think about what has happened since the time he was in Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem. He went into the temple. He was arrested in the temple for no good reasons. He was falsely arrested. They tried to kill him. They actually had a plot to kill him, and he had to be rescued from that plot to kill him. So then he appeals to Caesar after going through all these trials. He gets on a boat, and when he gets on this boat, he goes out into the ocean, and he is shipwrecked. The boat is going to be destroyed, and you remember this this intense scene that would be the main scene of a movie if it were made into a movie and this boat is going to crash and it's going to crash upon the rocks and they throw everything aside and they're going to get to the island of Malta and as they are rescued and they finally make it to the island of Malta and you think, okay, everything's going to be okay. There for three months, he goes up to a fire perhaps to warm his hands and a viper grabs a hold of him and bites him. Now, now if I'm Paul... I'm thinking, Lord, I just want to serve you. I go to Jerusalem. I get falsely accused. I'm going to jail. I appeal to seizure. I get on a boat. The boat shipwrecks. And now I get bit by a snake. Lord, what's going on? Something crazy is happening here. My life is not like it's supposed to be. Do you see how easy it would be for Paul to get depressed? Do you see how easy it would be for Paul to think only about himself, to think his life is not going like it's supposed to be, to not have joy in Christ, to be frustrated, And yet at that moment, the Lord starts flipping everything around. He starts turning it all around. Paul doesn't die from the viper. Paul is able to share the gospel. Paul eventually makes it to Rome. Paul is still sitting in prison. But he says, brothers, I want you to know all that has happened to me. All of these things that have led up to this has actually served to do what? To advance the gospel. So it's not about me. It's not about my personal comfort. He's not writing to them saying, send me a care package because I miss my Reese cups. He's not writing to them saying, this this house is a little small. The air condition doesn't work too nice. It's a little damp. My bed's a little hard. I'm having trouble sleeping. I need an extra pillow so that I can get my head comfortable. He's not talking about creature comforts when he writes this letter. He's keeping the most important thing first. He's saying to them, I want you to know the gospel's going forward. So when you write your mom and dad these letters, you should write them a letter or an email or phone call. A letter would be really nice because nobody gets letters anymore. When you write your mom and dad a letter, how's it going during the middle of COVID-19, the coronavirus semester? Where's your focus? My dorm room's a little small. I got to wear this crazy mask. I'm getting a rash on my face. I don't like this stuff. It's hard. It is hard. All of those things are true. Or is your focus on the fact that God's doing a work in my life? He's changing my heart. I see my affection shifting so that I'm concerned more about eternal things than I am about the temporal things. Are you showing the progress of the gospel in your words? If people were to watch your Instagram accounts and your Twitter accounts and your Facebook accounts, if you have all of those accounts, what would they think about your life? Would they think about what are you putting forward your words for? Are you saying, I want you to know, brothers, and the most important thing I want you to know is about the progress or the advance of the gospel? Or do you have some other agenda in life that has taken off completely above the gospel of Jesus Christ? Brothers and sisters, let's make sure that on our accounts, let's make sure that how we speak, that how we walk, that how we write emails, that how we do things, that the gospel is what we're known for, that we are known for the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ on this earth, that that's the primary purpose that we have. He says, the gospel has advanced so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Now those imperial guards 
probably transitioned about every four hours. I don't know if it was a different guard every single time. We don't know exactly how it worked. Just assume that it was. Every four hours, a new guard's right there with Paul. So he gets, he gets six guards a day if it's every four hours that he gets to talk to. Maybe he misses one, but he's talking to all these guards. The words coming out of his mouth when these guards are around are so saturated with the gospel. They are so focused on Jesus Christ that it has become known, it says, to the whole imperial guard, to all of these guards. Now, they all wouldn't have been around Paul, but Paul was a different prisoner. Those prisoners sitting beside Paul, those, those, uh, those guards sitting beside this prisoner, Paul, those guards around him, he talked about Jesus so much, he said it became known throughout the whole imperial guard that his imprisonment was for Christ. Is your life known for being for Christ? Or do you have something else that you talk about all the time? When somebody thinks about you, and they think about your name. Do they think about you? And then they think about a passion that you have. Is that passion the gospel? Is that passion Christ? Or have you allowed something else to begin to replace Christ as that ultimate passion in your life so that all you ever talk about is this other thing? Because it's what dominates your thinking process. This gospel advances outside of the Christian community throughout the whole imperial guard. And we're going to learn later on at the end of this book, he comes back at the very end of the book and he says, all the brothers greet you. And then he says, all of the saints greet you, especially those of the household of Caesar. Now, how in the world, the household of Caesar... Somebody has been saved and the brothers in the household of Caesar then greet you. Paul has seen the gospel advance in ways that it wouldn't have advanced unless he had been put in prison. It wouldn't have advanced unless he had gone to Rome. The imperial guard now knows about the gospel. They know about the fact he's put there for Christ. Some members of the household of Caesar are believers and followers. When you, when you look at Philemon, the book of Philemon, and you look at Onesimus, Onesimus actually is a, a brother of Christ, probably encountered Paul in the Roman jail. And Paul writes that letter to Philemon saying, treat him as though he's a brother. Onesimus is probably in eternity in heaven because Paul's imprisonment in Rome. Are we focused upon what we can do even through difficult circumstances or are we just looking for creature comforts? Here Paul says, it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard. And then he says also inside the Christian community and most of the brothers. He doesn't say all of the brothers. But he doesn't name the ones that weren't part of the most. He says, most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord. Now, notice the repetition here in this particular verse. They have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. The fact that Paul was able to suffer in prison and suffer well and not lose his confidence in the faith has allowed other believers to see that action and they have become more confident in the Lord by his imprisonment. The way that we suffer, the way we go through hard times can allow other believers to be more confident in the Lord. If that person can go through this trial and keep their faith, then I can go through my trial and keep my faith. Somebody else sees it and they say, we can go through this trial trial and we can keep our faith. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we walk through the difficult journeys of this life as pilgrims passing through, keeping our faith, encouraging the lost as they look on. How do they have this attitude? But also encouraging one another. If you can suffer through that, if you can make it through this trial, I can make it through this trial. So most of the brothers having become more confident in the Lord by his imprisonment. Notice what it says, confident, but then they're much more bold. 
there's an effect that we can have on one another. You can have this effect right now. You say, but I'm a freshman. It doesn't matter. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you can have an effect on your friends, on those around you, on those in your dorm, on those classmates, by your confidence in the Lord, by your boldness in the Lord, by the way you go through life and what happens. Others can then become much more confident in their faith. They can become much more bold, and it says to speak the word without fear. It doesn't mean that, that the possibility of going to prison had been taken away. It just means they have a confidence in the gospel. They have a confidence that if Paul can do this, I can do this. They have an understanding that by focusing on Jesus first, by focusing on eternity and knowing this is not our home, we can go through hard times in this life. We can suffer through an unusual semester. We can go through what's happening around us in our culture and we can still have joy. We can still rejoice because we know the one that holds the future. It's all about the gospel. The gospel overcomes. So encourage and influence one another to be confident in the Lord, to be much more bold, to speak the word without fear. Now, what did they speak? They spoke the word. The content of the message is important. We should be people of the book. We should be people of the word. We should be those that speak the word. And this is what we see here in the progress of the gospel. Oh, and by the way, he's talking here not to the preachers. He's talking here not to those who are professionals, but most of the brothers, most of the other followers of Christ have become confident in the Lord. So then they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's all of us. So if you're sitting out there and in your mindset, somehow you have in mind that Christianity is paid professionals that share the gospel and everybody else just kind of sits in a pew bringing their spiritual cup to get their spiritual cup filled up each week and then they go do their other thing. That's not Christianity. Christianity is that all of us are called to fulfill the Great Commission. All of us are called to own our faith, to defend our faith, to be confident in the Lord, to speak the word much more boldly and without fear. We should be sharing the gospel. We should be people of the word. So the challenge is to all of us to speak the word. It's the progress of the gospel. We also see here the preaching of the gospel. Now this is, this is a unique section. So most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord, much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then he transitions here and he says, some indeed, maybe some of those brothers, some indeed Preach the gospel from envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Now, this, if you're looking at the grammatical charts here, this would be called a chiasm. What he does here is he talks about envy and rivalry, and then he's going to move to goodwill. And then after goodwill, he's going to talk about love, which relates back to the goodwill. And then he's going to come back to what he talked about at first, and he's going to say selfish ambition, not sincerely. So here he starts with the bad guys. Envy and rivalry, but others do it out of goodwill. Those latter ones that do it out of goodwill, they're doing it out of love because they know that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Now, there's a theological statement here about the sovereignty of God as well. They know, and Paul writes, that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. We understand theologically there's nothing that happens to us by accident. 
You are not at Cedarville University by accident. You are not sitting in a field listening to the word of God by accident. God orchestrates all of the events of our lives for his glory and for his purposes. And they may not be fun for us. They may not be easy for us, but he orchestrates all of those events and purposes for our good and for his glory so that ultimately he will draw us closer to himself. So are you recognizing the events and circumstances around you and in your life as though God has put them in your life to grow you in some way? Or are you just complaining about what's there? God, I don't like these circumstances. I guarantee you in life, you either have or you have and you will go through times in life where you don't like the circumstances. God, I don't like what's happening right now. But you have put me here for this time in this place for this reason. Let me learn the lessons you want me to learn right now so I can be a better follower of Jesus Christ. That humility that we're going to see coming out in chapter 2, that humble attitude, that humble approach to say, God, I want to learn those lessons and I recognize that you are sovereign and that I am not and this world is not about me. It's all about you. The gospel overcomes. The gospel is more important than I am. The gospel is more important than you are. The gospel is what the grand story is all about. And as I live my life, I want to learn those lessons. I want to proclaim the gospel. I want to preach the gospel. I want to see the progress of the gospel in my life. Jesus first, others second, we're last. He says, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Those former ones, you know, those from envy and rivalry, well, they preach Christ from selfish ambition. Now, how does that work? Apparently, they're not preaching Christ sincerely. Apparently, all that Christianity is to them is a platform for their own elevation. Apparently, all they're after is to advance their followers or to advance their likes or to advance the number of people that connect with them on Instagram or to connect, to advance the number of people that, that give resources to them, their popularity. There's something going on here where Paul, he's not after the content of their message. He's not saying that their theology is wrong. And Paul is usually pretty quick to say, your theology's off. This is heresy. And he condemns them. Paul's saying here, maybe their message is even right. Maybe they're talking about Christ, but their motives are all wrong. Their motives are not right right. They have selfish ambition. They're not sincerely seeking the good of Christ. So now here's where, here's where my attitude, I have to check it. Because here's what I expect Paul to do in this case. I expect Paul to go professional wrestling on these guys. You know, your attitude's not right. You've got selfish ambition here. It's time for a body slam. It's time for Paul to come off the top turnbuckle and just absolutely destroy these guys. It's time to pick up the chair and whack them over the head with it. It's time for Paul to use some harsh language to get across that this is not okay. And here, selfish ambition and not sincerely preaching Christ. And what does Paul do? He doesn't say, look, guys, you, you don't know me. You don't know my motives. You don't know what I'm up to. Why are you criticizing me? You're not even sincerely preaching Christ. Let's be real. It's all about you. He doesn't go off on that. What does he say here? Look at the words. He says, what then? Here's the question mark. What then? And notice his perspective. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, that Christ is proclaimed. And in that, in that proclamation of Christ, in that right proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in that I will rejoice. I'm not always there. You look out and you see somebody and you think, well, they're just, they're just promoting themselves. What are they up to here? This is, 
It's so easy to criticize. It's so easy to say harsh words against somebody when you think that's what they're after. And yet here's what Paul's motive is and here's what Paul is doing. Is he saying Jesus is first? If these people are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ accurately, if their message is not all, if it's not heresy, even though I may think their motives are wrong, even though I may think they're doing this out of selfish ambition or envy or rivalry, maybe they wanted, thought Paul had more followers than them and they wanted to criticize Paul or say something bad about Paul and promote themselves. Paul's saying if the gospel goes forward, If the message of Jesus Christ goes forth, then praise God for that. In that, I will rejoice. So we see again, how do we have joy in the midst of hard circumstances? We keep our focus on Jesus and then on others and then on ourselves last. So here are a few application questions for us. How do we apply this text to our lives? How do we look at this text and ask ourselves the questions? Is there something that I need to do differently? Is there something I need to change? Is there something I need to work on? First question, do we use what happens to us to advance the gospel? Paul's in jail. It's a different kind of jail. We understand that, but he's got, he's got guards around him. These guards, it's known to them that he is imprisonment is for Christ. Do I use the opportunities and the circumstances and the situations and everything that happens to me to push forward and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, many times we don't. Many times it's real easy for me every morning when I wake up to begin to focus on me and my life and myself and my world and my universe. The world even wants us to. Be true to who you are. Live life your way. You only live once. All of these phrases teach us to focus on ourselves, and yet the Word of God teaches us that if we want to have true joy, we focus on Jesus first. Do we use every circumstance around us to push forward and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do our actions during difficult times, that trial comes along in your life, a sickness comes along in your life, something hard comes along in your life, is your first reaction to have a bad attitude? Is your first reaction to say some things you shouldn't say? Is your first reaction to have some sharp words? Is your first reaction bad? Or do you use those difficult times to encourage others to be more bold in their faith, more confident in the Lord, to speak the word without fear? Do we seek to build up or tear down? Are we perhaps at times those in the second portion of the scripture? Envy and rivalry, selfish ambition, not sincerely. Do those words describe us? Do they describe our motives? Do they describe our heart at various times when we look around and we like it when people say nice things about us? We like it when we receive compliments. Does sometimes does that creep into our own life? Do we seek to criticize others, to tear them down, to build ourselves up? Or are we the encouragers that seek to lift others up and to encourage them? Let me just encourage you in life and challenge myself in life that we want to be people that build up other things. Don't use your life and your time and your talents just to destroy, just to use harsh words to tear other people down. Take that time and instead of tearing others down, go build something. Go do something amazing for Christ. Go build something amazing for the glory of God. Finally, do we care more about what others think than what God thinks? 
Paul here could have said, these guys have bad attitudes. They have selfish ambition. They're not sincere. There's envy. There's rivalry. I'm going to tear them down. I care about what they think, but he doesn't. He just cares about the gospel proclamation. What then? In every way, whether in pretense or in truth, when Christ is proclaimed in that proclamation of Christ, I will rejoice. Sometimes I think we want others to think that we're holy more than we really want to be holy before God. Sometimes I think we want others to think that we're more spiritual more than we really want to be spiritual before God. Sometimes I think we're more concerned about what others say about us than what God thinks about us. May this text today remind us to keep our focus on Jesus first, others second, we're last, and that the gospel overcomes. And that in every way, no matter what happens to us, that we want to be for the progress of the gospel and for the proclamation and preaching of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how Paul challenges us. We thank you for a gospel that does overcome. We thank you, Lord, that it has overcome in each of our lives, our own sinful rebellion against you, and that, Lord, you have used the gospel to change us. May you use us to then change the world through the power of the gospel as it goes forth. And we ask this in Jesus' name, by the power of the Spirit, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And you are dismissed.